Good morning. Happy Father's Day to y'all who are dads. A word that might help today, it's up to you, but you might just want to say medium rare, please. <laughs> might work. Unless you get a peanut butter sandwich, medium rare, who knows, I don't know how that works, but... Uh, you know, last winter I was watching a uh, television series with uh, uh, my daughter, uh, it, the uh, TV series called Hercules. Uh, and, you know, Hercules is about this young champion who has special gifts, and, and he's a good guy, and, and, uh, and he's always all up against the bad guys and so on. And so we watched through that. But uh, uh, the thing that I took away from that series often is I just watched it. Yeah, I watched it for entertainment's sake, but uh, their gods interest me. Their take on how they responded to their gods uh, they acknowledged Poseidon out there in the city of Atlantis. And uh, he, Poseidon had this sense of overseeing everything. Uh, he was attempting to take care of them, providing them with their basic needs. And he also required a certain allegiance. In fact, sometimes he would get angry uh, and uh, punish them and so on. But there was that, that whole thing. But yet, on the other hand, every single episode, there was this sense in which Poseidon, almighty Poseidon, was in the back seat because ultimately, ultimately, survival depended on the people. That's where the rubber really met the road. Almighty Poseidon, in reality, sat outside of his realm and he watched everyone do, hear me, the best they could. I'm just doing the best I can. Now, it's a story. And yet, in all reality, have you ever seen that kind of work itself out in life today? You know, the culture of our day is, uh, is very, very similar in that you know, even though life may have its entertainments, we are at a time often where we acknowledge God out there. He's out there. We thank him for his blessings. Uh, we're grateful for his son, our Savior, and we make an effort to worship and to praise him. But really, but really, at the end of the day, we just have to do the best we can to get through as God observes from afar and hopefully helps us occasionally. Does that sound familiar? Uh, what does your life with God the Father look like? You know, how is God the Father defined in, in your mind? What does Father have to do with it? Uh, you know, we've all had fathers, that old joke, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me type thing. You know, okay, that's fine. But, you know, some of us have had, I did, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Some of us have had or do have a dad in their lives who has nurtured them, who has uh, fathered them. But unfortunately, there is a huge population, far too many, who have had or they do have a father who's not in their lives, a father who has not invested in them. In fact, for some of you, even here today, I, I mean, I know it's true, 
uh, at just the opposite, going far down the road to even maybe walking out on you, whatever. In fact, I would have to say as I studied that whole statistic this week, it's pandemic. Where are the dads? Your heart might be broken today as you think of that. But then we come back to Heavenly Father in comparison, and, and, and you might be really angry with God today, even perturbed at him somewhat because he puts you in the middle of a dysfunctional family and you don't have a clue what it must be like to have a dad that would love you. And then you, you go back to him and say, hello, are you like Poseidon? Are you just kind of out there? I just have to do the best I can. Just how, just how almighty is Father anyways? Does he care? I'm going to talk to you a few minutes this morning from the word, the word that by testimony of itself, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that it's useful. It's useful. It's useful to teach us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives, to strengthen, or sorry, to straighten us out and teach us to do what is right. Folks, if we're going to have a baseline or a criteria to answer the question of what does my life with God look like, we have to start somewhere. And I'm really, the, it doesn't start with what I think. It really has to start with what God's Word says. And so I want to challenge you with that this morning on this Father's Day. Approach the Father from the Father's Word. And please, by the way, understand this is a slice message. I, I, there's no way I can talk about God the Father exhaustively. I'll not say nearly enough of what I could say. But my goal is to refresh you of Abba, Father. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, today for the privilege to open your word, to take a little bit of a focus on you. Teach us. Heal us, focus us through the filter of Scripture to who you are and what that means. I pray for each and every person here, all of our backgrounds different when it comes to dads. So as we approach your throne of grace, Lord, shine brightly, please. In the name of Christ Jesus, your Son, I pray, amen. So let's just, let's talk about him for a little bit. First of all, why Abba? Have you ever heard that term, Abba? It's the Hebrew word for dad. I still recall, I'll never forget it. I, we had just landed in Israel and uh, we were in the city of Jerusalem in the Jewish quarter and, and you're down at the Temple Mount and you walk up these stairs, it seems like forever. You go down a very small corridor that's just crowded with people and, and then it opens up into a courtyard where a lot of commerce is happening and so on. Well, we had walked through there, and you can understand, you can imagine, as one of my first times there, uh, I was just wide-eyed. 
right as I'm smelling the smells of the falafel and the shawarma and all of those other smells that you get in Jerusalem. And I'm hearing the sounds, not English, but, but all kinds of sounds that are out there. And as, as we open up into this courtyard, my eyes just fixed on this little boy. Uh, he was only yay big, uh, not a big fella at all, but my eyes just caught him uh, just in the process of the crowds. And as I watched him in that microcosm of time, as, as he looked up at the man who was standing next to him, black pants, black coat, black hat, big broad brim, you recognized him immediately as a, a, a religious Jewish person there. And he looks up at him, and I watched him just as he looked up at him, almost like a pregnant pause. But then next thing you saw was his hands lifted up, and, he, and then all of a sudden he spoke to him, and he said, Abba! Abba! <laughs> and you know, for the first time in my life, it's like, wow, I'm in Israel. <laughs> you know, the, the Hebrew and the land and everything just caught together, and it was so cool. But it reminded me uh, later, not necessarily at that moment, that the language excited me at that point, but, but it reminded me a little bit later of Mark chapter 14, and I believe it's verse 26, that happened many years before I landed in Israel in the same city in Jerusalem, actually on the other side, in a garden, there was a man there and his name was Jesus of Nazareth. And he knew, he knew, folks, that within a few hours that there would be a mob that would come and grab him and bind him and they would cuss at him and they would beat him and they would spit, spit, real spit on his face and they would rip his beard out and, and they would beat him beyond measure and ultimately crucify him. And he happened to be in that garden in Mark chapter 14 and he was there and he was on his face. And the scripture says that he was alone and that he, I don't know if he lifted his hands or not, but you heard Jesus say, Abba! Abba, Father, he put the two together. Abba, Father. He said, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but your will be done. Believe it or not, in that little phrase, he defined what he called his father. Abba, Father. You put the words together, it's actually a Hebrew word and a Greek word together, but, but as you look at these words, first of all, you find that first word, Abba, is a word of connection. It is a word of position, but it's a connective position. It's the little boy, the little girl, as they say, I need you, and what does he do? I am here. I'm, it's a connective, loving, approachable word, Abba. Beautiful word. I love it. It's actually as ancient as the Bible because you go back into the, the, the book of Genesis and you find one of the first, well, the first patriarch of the, of the nation of Israel. His name was Abraham. Abba, father of many nations. That's what his name means. And that first A-V or A-B sound is the word Abba. 
He was connected to, to the nations of the, of the world. And even today, if you go to Israel, they still talk about that guy. Good old dad, Abe. That was him. But it's, it goes beyond that because here we're looking at Abba, the father. That approachable position with emotion and even submission because of the love that he has and the approachability that he has. I will call him Abba. But Jesus added the term father. The Greek word, which actually is more of a positional term, it's a word of discipleship, if you will. It's a word of principle, a word of obedience, a word of supremacy, and supremacy is maybe too strong, maybe for God it's not, but, but when, we think of, when I think of my dad, or, or I think of my dad, or I think of myself, you will obey me, I am supreme, you know. Are there any dads like that? Don't raise your hand. Uh, but, uh, you know, that whole lot, sometimes I know in my selfishness, I've come to that point. You need, you know, that whole, because I said so is that idea. But, but, you know, there's this whole thinking of father is a position. And it, there's a responsibility that goes with it as a dad. But at the same time, the expectation is what? Respect, submission, obedience, a word of discipleship. Follow me. Follow me, I'm Father. Jesus said, Abba, Father. Connection with compliance. It really means that at any and all times, God is just a word away. Isn't that good? God the Father is just a word away. Uh, but understand something as I say that. He's not Poseidon. He is a word away, but it's a two-way street. I love Psalm 103. You ought to memorize that psalm someday. It'll just bless your heart as you just keep rehearsing it. Verse 13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, he approaches, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear him. Okay, you see the two-way? He comes, we go. There is a, a movement of both directions. It says in Isaiah 64, verse 8, kind of the same thing. Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and the work of, and you are our potter, and we are the work of your hands. There's this two way accountability, one to the other. It, this beautiful, any and all times, He's there. You want to call on God? You can do it right now. And he says, yes. The throne room is open. I, I just love, I, I envision this often when I go to pray, that when I go to pray, it's almost like, you know, I, I've got too much TV in my brain. That's the problem. But, but, you know, I open this monstrous wooden door, and it doesn't make a lot of noise, but it just kind of opens up. And as it opens up, I can look down there, and I see the throne of God, and he just says, come on up. And he takes me into his bosom and into his dwelling place, and I'm able to talk to him. That's the way I kind of see Abba. At any and all times, but also at any and all times, not only is he a word away, but he's also a world away. He's a world away. Hey, listen, you need to know this. Listen, God is not a pushover. He is God Almighty. He is one to be honored for his position before us. Jesus used the word father. Do you remember this? You may have heard this prayer somewhere in your life. It goes like this. Our father who art in heaven, 
Hallowed be your name. That's not a pushover, God. Hallowed be your name. Lifted up is your name. He is to be not a pushover, but someone in which we say you are more than me. Jesus taught that intentionally to his disciples that we would look to him in that connection with compliance. Jesus did it himself, not my will, but yours be done at the toughest time of his life, earthly life. It's this, folks. Abba, I hope this doesn't disappoint you. Abba isn't Santa. You don't just have this mental list going on, and man, I hope he gives this to me, and then we start saying, well, if I'm, if I'm less naughty and a little bit nicer, he'll give me these things. A lot of people think of Father that way. He's, he's a list God. No, he's not. He's not a pushover, as I already said, that you can't just simply butter him up. You know, I came to church. God, I came to church. Hello? Won't you help me? I've done this. I've done that. Won't you help me? Abba isn't Zeus or Poseidon. By the way, he's not Allah or Vishnu, who both are somewhat, as I understand, truths of them are more like the enforcer of good works and bad works, and they're ready to punish you when you do wrong. Not a lot of emotional catch there. That's not Abba. Abba is approachable. And he is approaching. I love, I just simply, I just, one of my favorite parables, stories of Scripture is the story of the prodigal son. Jesus told that parable. You'll find it in Luke chapter 15 if you want to look. But I just want to look at, just to highlight a piece of it. As we look at Father, and, and, and Father, it says that, first of all, the son, the prodigal son, he arose and he came to his father he understood, I need him. <laughs> but while he, the son, was still a ways off, a long ways off, his father saw him. Yeah, the father had binoculars. No, he didn't. But uh, his father saw him, and he felt compassion on him. And I love this next term. What is it? He what? He ran. He ran, and, and when he got to that old stinky fella from the pigsty, he embraced him, and he kissed him. And this is my son who's come back. Oh, man, this is good. I love the picture that Jesus talked about when he talked about Abba there. Such an incredible gift. My, my pastor of old, not my old pastor Sid, but my older pastor. Actually, Sid's younger than me, so I have to be careful, but... Uh, he, he used to always do this message, and when he did, he would call him God the hound of heaven. And then he just would let out a, <laughs> I still see him doing that to this day. <laughs> he did a lot better than me. I'm just not a good dog. But, 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 but at, at any rate, it, what, what we're looking at is Abba is infinitely divine and holy. We praise him we honor him, we request from him, but he's Abba Father. We respect his hand in our lives. If you really want to get a, a, a current illustration of what that looks like, get online somewhere 
and start reading testimonies about the persecuted church today, 2021. And read their testimonies. They're very, very grateful that we're praying for them. They're grateful that we're sending funds and, and help to them. I know that that's true. I've read those, those stories. But the reality is, is if you keep reading, you'll find out something about them. They say often, listen, don't be feeling so bad for us. And every time you pray, oh, God, don't, don't sing uh, the Eeyore sound, you know, bow bother, here we go. They're being persecuted. He said, don't do that. Why? Because not our will be done. His will be done. And God is doing a work, and he is prevailing in those persecuted churches. Amen? Or oh, my. It's easy, and, and, and folks, I, I'm not at all excited about what's going on when people get hurt, but the reality is this, Abba Father will prevail. Why Abba? Because he's the one we trust. He's the concrete. He's the one we get to. Thank God for Abba Father. Let me just throw a couple other things in this with, in the basket as I'm talking about him. It is this, that Father is good. I like singing in the middle of messages sometimes, so if you want to sing with me, you can. If not, just sit there and stone-faced. I don't care. God is so good. God is so good. Mean it. God is so good. He's so good to me. Oh, wow. He's good. He's good. And you know what that good really means? I, I, this is a new thing that I, I have to say I never had heard the phrase before, but I like it. It's called grace. I've heard that one. But uh, someone added an additional word onto the front, and it's this, common grace. Common grace. You ever heard that before? I had not. But, but common grace, it is the undeserved blessings that humanity receives from God's hand short of salvation. That's the definition from the book. The undeserved blessings that humanity receives from God's hand short of salvation. It's all the good stuff. It's the rain. It's the sun. Man, isn't it great to have sun? Uh, it is prosperity. God has prospered us. We are blessed in so many ways and others as well. Health, we're here today. We're, we're healthy. We're happy. It is those skills and talents. Didn't you like that young man over here? That microphone will never be the same. He will never leave us. You know, you, did, I, did I look like him? No. Because God's gifted you, man. You are so, you're a blessing to us. I want you to know that, Pastor Brian. And not just because that you're full of joy and energy as you worship with us, but God has blessed you as our leader. We're thankful for you. I just want you to know that. But isn't that a great skill? It's awesome. And that's just one example of the skills and the talents that so many people have. That's common grace. That's, that's stuff that God has given to us. Do you realize that God has given to you and to me nice people? Now, if you read the Bible, the Bible says, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
We're a bunch of dweebs. We're wicked in the sight of righteousness and holiness. And we live in a world like that. But amazingly enough, God in the midst of the sinful world, outside of him, he gives us pretty neat people. And my job, they don't know him, but they're nice most of the time. That's common grace. Common grace. God's just so good that way. You know, there's no reason for any of this except for the fact that he's kind. The scriptures say, Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. The gospel of Luke in verse 35, I like this one. He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's an amazing verse. Grace, common grace, every favor short of salvation's grace is literally abundantly bestowed on you every day. Do you have any idea now what that might mean when Jesus said in that Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread? What was he saying? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Give him credit. Give him credit for your wallet. Give him credit for your talents. Rejoice in him because of what he's given. But I must tell you one more thing, and it is a big one. It's common grace, but boy, it, it is amazing. God in his common grace restrains evil from this earth. You and I don't really realize just how diabolical the devil is. You don't realize how evil. If Satan had his way today, it is my assumption that there wouldn't be an earth period. It would be destroyed, everyone in it killed. There's no champions in the devil's army. He is pure evil. Paul, when he was talking about the second coming of Christ in chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 to the Thessalonians, he says this, and this is so good. And you know what is restraining him, the devil, now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. We see it, don't we? Only, catch this, he who now restrains, that's not the devil anymore, that's God the Father, he who now restrains evil will do so until he, God the Father, is out of the way. That last portion, if you'd let me paraphrase it, he restrains evil until he sees good and fit that it's time. He's got the watch. And he will hold evil at bay. He will keep the wall down. He will keep the barrier of defense up, which no one can penetrate, not even the devil himself, until he is good and ready to say, okay, now let me be glorified further. Do your best. Bring it on. Wow. Common grace, he restrains evil. We don't deserve any of that. We all deserve to die, right? But let me just walk one more time, and, and we've seen a God who's good, but then a God who is limitless. And that is this last thing, this crowning gift, and that is the gift of redemption. 
redemption. How many of you remember the days when you had to take your Coke bottles back to the grocery store? <laughs> you know, we throw them out now, but uh, they were glass. It always tasted better in glass. I don't know why, but um, uh, you had to take your Coke bottles empty back to the grocery store. Usually waited until you had to fill the trunk with them. You know, your back row. Your back room was just falling over with glass bottles, and so we took them all back to a redemption center, usually in the grocery store. Sometimes they had them other places. And then what did we do? We redeemed them, which means we got money back so that we could get more. But really, by way of the the, the meaning is, is, what does it mean? I can't even find it in my notes. But that, that, that whole idea that we need to bring back what is lost, they're empty bottles, and so we're bringing, back, bringing them back so that they can be refilled, if you will. Now, that's a kind of a poor definition or even a poor example of what I'm talking about, but the concept's the same. You see, back in the Garden of Eden, we were a beautiful bottle of Coke. <laughs> Not really. But we were, we were refreshing, we were effervescing with our relationship with our Father. It was an incredible relationship when you read that early Genesis chapter. Only to be used up and lost by sin. We were lost. The Bible talks about us at that particular point uh, as being sinners. And that sin had to be paid for, and it had to be paid for not because the father is mean and cruel, but because his human children just really matter to him. And there is a, there is a standard, and that standard had to be met, and death had to occur. The animal was killed in Genesis, but from that time you see the plan of redemption start to be communicated seen throughout the Old Testament as Abraham came through and God's desire for his covenant people, his chosen people, Israel, that nation, that people, that they would be redeemed, that they would be brought back, that that was lost would be given to them so that they again could have a wonderful relationship with their father. In the middle of it all, walking with this trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus, in the right time, volunteered to become a man, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We call him the Redeemer, but he is the Redeemer of the Redeemer. And there he was, as as Paul said so well in Philippians 2, let this mind, this is talking to the Christians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a bondservant. And being found in in an appearance of a man, he humbled himself even to the point of death, the death of the cross. And therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, to the glory of God the Father. He's there, see? Amazing. 
We catch the, the Christ as he does that. The Bible calls us all dead, but and since God is the source of life, if we're cut off with him, we're cut off from life itself, we are dead. I've never seen a dead person have any power to do anything. But Jesus gave his life as a sinless person, and that's why he became a man. And he died for us, not just for your sake and for my sake, but for Father's sake, to satisfy the demands that were required for truth and righteousness by a substitutionary payment. I will go, Jesus said, so that you, sitting here today, could have life. He offers that to you as a free gift, and if you've not received him, listen. Father has chosen to redeem you, to, to fill that Coke bottle up, if you will. Jesus has paved the way. He's paid for it. It's done. You get to walk in the store and get a new bottle. And it's called eternal life. And it'll never, ever run out. Because it's not based on you, it's based on him. Redemption. Ultimate grace. Abba, Father, put that together. And the redeeming plan of Father being in motion, let me just finish the, the thought. We talked about the Father. We talked about the Son. What about the Spirit? Where does he, what part does he play? Paul, again, in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, speaking to believers, because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, and what do we do? What do we do? Abba, Father, we cry out. It just comes full circle. We cry out, Abba, Father, we're not a slave, but a son, and if a son, we are heirs through God. We're back to it. Abba, Father. So what? Fathers, let me talk to you for just a second. It's Father's Day. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you not to step up to fathering. I want to challenge you, fathers, listen, to step up to Abba fathering. Give yourself a little bit more. Too often when we step up to fathering, it's like I'm in a position. Yeah, you are. But don't, you may be disappointed by that because maybe you're not overly approachable. Step up to Abba fathering. Abba father respect requires Abba father approachability. I believe the best fathering comes from worshiping the heavenly father. Do it. Don't make excuses. Just get there. Get on your knees today, maybe while you're alone somewhere along the way. You'll be blessed today. I'm, I'm hoping that You'll be honored and things like that. And even if you're not, it's okay. You, you can still do this. You can just go before the Father and simply say, God, you are my ultimate Father. Prepare me to be what you would want me to be. Be, a, be an Abba Father. What do you think? Neat idea. What about you young men that are out there? There's a few of you. I've seen your faces. And uh, that can mean anything if you just be young. Maybe you're not a dad yet. Maybe you'll never be one. I don't know. But can I ask you, young men, please to be sensitive to this amazing God we're talking about, Dad Almighty? Lift your hands just like that little boy in the Jerusalem Square. Learn how to do that. Start practicing that. Abba! You don't even have to be young. You can be old. 
Abba, Abba Father. It'll enrich your life. Potentially, it'll put you on a path of being a man, being a father after God's heart because you're connected with him. You're connected. It's not just a religion thing. And it's certainly not a Poseidon thing. You're out there. So it will literally get away from that, which is where I really just come to everybody here. Can I just challenge you with a so what? The excuses out there, it's legitimate. It's legitimate and it's prevalent. And it's this. I have a hard time. I'm hearing you. I, I, I'm hearing you. I have a hard time relating with God because I did not have a good father figure. My dad just isn't anything like what you just have talked about. And because of that, I, I, it's just really difficult for me to, to grasp this. Okay, I hear you. But I'm going to invite you today to resist that as your final answer. Take it from the end of Romans chapter 12. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because you've got a good, good father. And your relationship, all it is is a word away to begin to restore and to heal. Somewhere along the way, you'll get to that point of, God, let this cup pass from me. I wish I had dad. Maybe he died. Maybe he's, he, he's just gone away. Maybe he's distant. But you could say, it could have passed from me, but if not, your will be done. I will follow you. And listen, you're going to find a dad like you never knew. A dad almighty will live in your life and direct your paths. He's promised to do that. I believe that the devil has made very clearly over the generations that excuse to be supreme. Well, I didn't know my dad or I, my dad, my dad, my dad, so I can't really relate to you. Crush it. Resist it. Because ultimately, ultimately, it's a myth. Father, Abba Father, is ready to redeem you. He's ready to run and embrace you and kiss you. He is Dad Almighty. Father, thank you. Thank you for the truths of your word. Thank you for talking about yourself. Be loud to us. Be demonstrative to us by your approachability. Instruct us today by your holiness as well that we may have that honor, compassion, emotion put together in that phrase, Abba, Father. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, before we head out today, you know, at Heritage, we have uh, our spiritual fathers and leaders at Heritage are called our overseers. And we have one of our spiritual fathers who's going to be having surgery tomorrow. And I thought 
we didn't ask about this, but I hope it's okay if maybe Jack would come and pray for Jerry. Jerry, you want to come up here, and Jack, that would be good. And uh, Jerry's having surgery tomorrow. We would like to pray over over him. He is one of our spiritual fathers here at Heritage. Jack is also one, and so uh, we'd love for that if we could do that. And, and fellas, if if there's any of you who are um, invested in, in a relationship with Brother Jerry, you want to come up and put hands on him, I think that would be excellent. all bow together. Lord, we come to you this morning, Baba. We need things today. We come to you because the Holy Spirit is leading us. And Jesus has opened that door to the throne room. And you invite us in, and we're there now. So our hearts are full of gratitude for this opportunity to pray for one of our brothers. He's going to be in your hands tomorrow more than he may have ever been. And the great physician is going to take charge. We have every confidence that he will oversee, that you will be in charge. So we commit Gary's operation and all the things surrounding it right back to you. Your will be done, Lord. Thank you that we can come to you in this way. We love Jerry and we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> 